and welcome to GIIS podcast, The Smartcast. This series, titled GIIS Sustainability Talks, is a student-led podcast which aims to spread awareness about the 17 new and sustainable development goals for 2030 amongst our peers and community at large. We have a vision to instill a greater sense of responsibility and love for environment and to hope that all our listeners are inspired to get involved in the movement towards sustainability and ensure a succession pipeline of leaders for tomorrow. The collaboration between the teams Revolutionary Gaffers and Project Food Tree from our school aims to address the problem of the lack of efficient recycling and food waste and hunger respectively. A very warm welcome to the first episode of the Sustainability Talk series. In today's episode, we will be talking about the importance of sustainable development and how you can help lay the foundations of creating a more sustainable society. And when you're talking about sustainability, you really can't ignore the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals for 2030. Carrying the torch for United Nations initiatives locally is the United Nations Association of Singapore, or UNAS, which represents the international organization in in many of its activities in this republic. This also includes the 17 SDGs in question today. So we have with us a representative from UNAS to talk about issues that we need to address today and now. The mission of UNAS is to promote peace, human rights, respect for international law, social progress, and better standards of life. In recent years, UNAS's activities and programs have focused on issues such as environmental protection and sustainable development, people's rights, peacekeeping, and conflict resolution, the eradication of poverty and illiteracy, and emerging issues requiring international cooperation. I am Mehek Arora, President of the Climate Action Club in our school, and I will be hosting this episode with President of Project Poetry, Subodhini Vignesh. Thanks, Mehek. It's great to be here. So today we have with us UNAS's Assistant Honorary Treasurer, Ms. Michelle Gozo, who will be conversing with us about these, their initiatives towards promoting sustainable development. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Gozu. May I request you to introduce yourselves a bit to our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Michelle Gozu. I have been with the United Nations Association of Singapore for close to 20 years, I would say. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm an officer currently with UNAS. But, so, but UNAS, as you know, is a nonprofit organization. So it's a voluntary organization. So in my working life, um, I am a clean energy professional, actually. I've been working in the clean energy and sustainability space for maybe 12 years and going on and growing. So um, definitely the issues you'd like to discuss today are very timely and it's very relevant to what I do in my prof- professional life. So you know, I'm happy to join you today. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you tell us a bit about the United Nations Association of Singapore? How does it work towards achieving its goals and creating a more sustainable society? Okay, so as I mentioned previously, um, UNAS was established primarily as a voluntary organization in December 1969. 
So four years after Singapore became an independent state and joined the United Nations in 1965. So basically, it is a it is registered as a non-government and non-profit organization. And as you pointed out earlier in your introduction, um, as um, in an organization that's connected with the United Nations, we um, take to heart the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. So those goals are mirrored in the projects and initiatives that we do. So how do we try to create or contribute to creating a more sustainable society? Well, UNAS has three pillars or three modes of engagement, I would say. The first is education support. So in the past, we have organized model UN conferences. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but basically it's um, an academic simulation of what goes on in the United Nations where students play the role of delegates from different countries. They attempt to debate and solve um, real world issues with policies and um, potential solutions. Um, they're assigned to take to assume um, certain countries. So the goal is to um, help the students learn about um, global issues, learn from each other, learn from the moderators. So that's one example. Then also we field speakers in many different schools, be it secondary schools or primary schools, um, where we talk about a whole number of different issues. Sometimes it's about sustainability, sometimes it's about peace and understanding, sometimes it's about racial understanding of each, uh, um, each other's races um, and all that. So we do field in speakers in schools um, to talk about relevant, um, issue, relevant issues of the day. Then the second pillar is um, related to humanitarian affairs and disaster relief. So in the past number of decades, we have um, organized a number of um, relief efforts to aid, let's say, flood victims, earthquake victims um, across Southeast Asia. We also have organized, let's say, book collection drives for orphanages and homes, um, because obviously that relates to improving education, let's say, in an indirect way. Um, we have also organized uh, humanitarian aid for poor rural communities, especially those uh, most recently severely impacted by COVID. Um, and also we've organized um, some assistance also for local Singaporeans even who find themselves in difficult situations due to COVID. You know, they've not been able to work for the past years. Some um, also have medical issues, so they have medical bills to pay. So we do try to assist um, as much as we can. Then the third pillar um, has to do with community relations and local partnerships. Um, the objective is to try to foster better understanding across the say, religious groups, across um, men and women, across um, different races also. So we've organized um, events related to, let's say, UN Day, UNDP Day, the 50th anniversary of UNAS, 
um, International Day of Peace, Earth Hour. So when you know we try to engage the community in such activities again to foster um, relationships and to foster understanding. So I okay. would say, yeah, in a nutshell, that's how I would describe the work that we do. And therefore, um, through those projects, some of the projects I've um, described, we're able to address um, the sustainable development goals. Okay. Ma'am, you mentioned societal inclusion. I would totally agree with you on that because uh, we believe that there is no peace in society without inclusion. Would you say that the core value of UNAS is um, inclusion? And what um, other core values are there? Okay, so basically, even, even when you think about UNAS and not just UNAS, the UN or even the Sustainable Development Goals, at its heart really is inclusion, meaning leave no one behind leave no gender behind, no age group behind, like say children, no race behind, um, no social, no, um, what do you call this, no economic group behind, and also um, the sustainable development goals. And, and in terms, I think you asked me about other values. So um, basically the values, the organization holds dear or the values we try to promote in the activities that we do relate to, let's say, respect, tolerance, understanding, you know, solidarity across groups, genders. Um, as I've said, we look forward to seeing a world that makes no distinction to race, to sex, to language, religion, or even political orientation. And these values um, are central to what we do, and they enable us to serve um, the community, because by understanding these values, we are able to, you know, better promote peace, respect for law, you know, all the the, the mission of UNAS that you uh, that you mentioned earlier. And that's uh, really interesting because the UNAS's uh, major goal, the their motto itself is for peace we serve, and. Mm -hmm. And therefore, so the next question that we would like to bring up is what is the importance of sustainable development in today's world? And how is UNAS working towards achieving these goals? Okay, so basically, um, sustainable, sustainable development, I would say, um, you know, is central to what the UN does, right? So the U UNAS mirrors or mirrors that goal um, and we try to contribute to achieving that goal in our own small way. Obviously, UNAS cannot be compared to the UN um, because we are a self-funding organization. We don't receive um, any funding from the UN or any other organization because we are a nonprofit organization But and we're not a charity. Um, so basically, some of the activities that we do try to address those goals, right? The sustainable development goals. Like say, for instance, when we do humanitarian drives, right? Um, whether it's disaster relief, whether it's financial assistance related to COVID, that immediately tries to address no, the uh, sustainable development goal one, which is no poverty. 
when we have food drives that's addressing um, SDG 2, zero hunger. And when we provide also, you know, good food, we, because we try to help in, let's say, um, providing good sustenance to the less privileged families in developing countries, then, you know, we that's a way to contribute to good health and well-being, let's say. The book drives that we do um, relates to SDG 4. And actually, even the food drives, when you think about it, because one project, in one of the projects that we do, actually, we try to provide um, food for this um, rural school. And the children in that school come from very poor, poor families. So by providing food in, during classes, the children are incentivized to come to class. So see, when you think about it, um, when you think about it, the goals are really all connected, right? So here we are trying to address SDG 1, no poverty, and 2, zero hunger by providing food. But then our related benefit to providing the food is that the children from poor families are incentivized to go to school. Then you also address SDG 4. And in the same way, because all children are invited to go to school or they're encouraged to go to school rather, then that also helps to address SDG 5, which is gender equality, you know, which means that, um, you know, which means that women should not be left behind, whether it's in education yes. or employment. So in this case, by helping ensure that even young girls get to go to school, um, you know, through one project, we're able to address easily, you know, five SDGs right away, right? Yes. Um, so, so I guess um, a really important aspect of these SDGs is that uh, all of them are equally important. All of them are yes. interrelated and interlinked yes, with each other. That is correct. That is correct. All of them are interrelated, and they're um, they're not exclusive. So if you think, you know, when you have a project, you're only be addressing one SDG. No you can yeah. address multiple SDGs with one project or one initiative. Yes, and to be honest, Mehek, the both of us, we actually went to a food distribution drive as part of a project we're working on. And over there, we distributed food to senior citizens who do not have proper access to financial resources. And when we're doing that, we're I guess we're addressing two SDGs. One is reduced inequalities because we are getting uh, senior citizens to part to also be a part of daily life by, by giving them the resources they require to survive and we're also addressing zero hunger and that's yes that's exactly great. exactly correct yes. absolutely the activities towards achieving one sdg are bound to bring together different aspects of life because of being so interrelated to each other mm -hmm. uh, the next question i'd like to ask you is that the activities of unas have been focusing on educational and humanitarian aspects how has your experience been with initiating and organizing such activities? Well, basically, overall, it's been a very rewarding experience. Um, one thing very interesting about UNAS is that we have a number of members who are students, so young people. So for me, um, as a longtime member, you know, it's been very rewarding to see um, volunteers be so motivated 
young people um very happy and willing to pitch in their time um donating their time and their resources to help those in need um you know you get to see in the past few years i've gotten to see firsthand how young people give up themselves selflessly for a greater cause um you know they either look for donors um obviously as students i know you have limited budgets you don't have jobs yet but they try to find donors who can help out like some of them know of certain suppliers let's say who have um excess stocks on let's say notebooks which no which no one wants to use so then that can be donated to schools in um in emerging countries in in more rural communities so we've had students you know find donors who can help and pitch in we've had students who you know do the back breaking task of packing and sorting through the donations because you have to sort them um neatly and nicely right to organize the shipments then they you know load them all in boxes they do the heavy lifting many times this is under the sun i mean this is serious hard work so for me to be able to see so many young people come together um get so motivated um you know it's just really rewarding and then and then so that's one end and at the same time when the let's say the relief goods reach the charity you know you see to be able to see smiles wide smiles yeah. on the faces of all these young children or the, the adults you know who are in desperate need of assistance is another source of satisfaction and reward right um you know the, the items we ship are honestly not that valuable in in when you think about the dollar amounts that they represent but for these people um they really appreciate the help and the support that we've extended and you know for people who have very little in life the donations um are viewed as something very important something of significant value and you know to see that recognized and to see the gratitude um that these people offer um it has been really a rewarding experience for not just myself but for the UNAS team wow and it, it's honestly really great to know that the student community is doing so much that they are getting involved and they're ready to do work and mm-hmm. and oh, that's what we want to get out of this today to inspire students that you guys can be a part of this too and we too actually me and mehak have uh, got ourselves involved in a lot of activities uh, that's why we formed this project called project food tree i think i'm talking too much but uh, yes i've actually been really proud of what we did we are so it's a student led initiative that aims to address the problem of, of food waste and hunger and through that we've been able to manage uh, we've able we've been able to do a panel discussion we we've developed a game we've organized a food drive in our school and we've also distributed food like i said before and even this entire podcast is a part of it it's so, really amazing i'm glad to hear that um your you also have your own initiatives in your school because the needs of the world today are so great honestly especially with covid it's been exacerbated by covid so you know to have you guys young people get so involved and really contribute in a meaningful way i think 
is it's really impressive. A good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, would you suggest any other ways in which we can actively engage in make, making a meaningful difference? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, many ways. Um, what we call this more than just drives or more, more than just understanding the issues. Um, so for, um, maybe I'll give you a few suggestions and it's up to you to um, figure out where um, you can contribute. I think we oh, all have great. different roles in, we all have different roles, right? Um, yeah. I, I mean, and you know, let's see, I mean, you can figure out how else you can participate maybe in um, addressing the SDG. So for me, the first thing I would mention is to practice the three R's, you know, the reduce, reuse, and recycle. Because I think what's important is to understand that um, the world is evolving towards a more circular economy. So you know how you just mentioned you're trying to cut out waste? So that's um, an important part of the circular economy. By limiting waste, you you, you should try to reuse as much of the original material as you can. So, um, So that's why I would say reduce, reuse, and recycle. So what does that mean exactly? So let's say when it comes to plastics, Try to minimize the use of plastic containers, plastic bags, straws, and limit the printing of paper. Um, because when you think about waste, um, at least here in Singapore, most of the waste ends up to be being burned or they end up in landfills. And those are finite resources. I mean, landfills are finite. But then when you think about burning, um, you know, you're expending energy. So why, if you if you have much lower waste volumes, then you will be expending a much lower level of energy, you know. Then you can also, when you go shopping, bring your own reusable bags, put your recyclables in the bins, um, sort them out properly in the bins, be it plastics, metals, paper, or electronic waste. Then when you think about, let's say, um, emissions, minimizing emissions, so that directly relates to SDG 13. Um, So as you know, with the signing of the Paris Climate Agreement, um, countries have banded together to try to keep global warming to within 1.5 degrees centigrade. Hmm. Um, in fact, many countries have committed to going net zero, zero greenhouse gas emissions by a certain year. Some countries have signed up for 2040, some 2050, some 2060. But basically, what it boils down to is you know, the planet has a limited capacity to absorb CO2, and this capacity is dwindling fast. So we need to limit um, our emissions. Now, how do you do that? Um, one way is to minimize unnecessary travel. Obviously, with COVID, you're, you rarely are able to, to, fly, to fly anyway. But um, we, I know, but, but you know, when we reflect about even land travel, you know, try to minimize your use of, let's say, private cars or drab. Choose to take public transportation instead or maybe walk to um, where you have to go or take a bike. Um, those are ways to minimize emissions. Um, shut off appliances also when they're not in use. Um, one thing you should know is that energy consumption is by far the biggest source of human-caused greenhouse gas emissions. So that's why... Um, me, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a clean energy professional. I'm, wow. I'm very focused on energy, so that's why, um, you know, the industry I'm with is front and center 
in this whole you know, climate change sustainability debate because energy um, represents a huge share of um, greenhouse gas emissions. So, um, and then let's say, again, related to emissions, when you shop, choose local produce over imported ones. Like when you think about it, when you're shopping for vegetables, the Malaysia sourced vegetables only travel a short distance, right, to get to the supermarkets. Think about, let's say, vegetables flown in from Australia or, you know, some, some from Europe even. Think about the greenhouse gas emissions and the energy that went into just transporting that, right? So um, that's another way um, you can contribute as young people um, by shopping responsibly. Also, when you try to buy items, try to see if you can um, buy used items rather than new items, right? Um, so pre-owned, pre-loved items. Then you're by doing that, you're able to extend the life of these products. Let's say whether it's, you know, rather than having these products end up in the landfill so soon, if you're able to use, to, if you're um, able to buy these used items, you're extending the life of the item. And you're also minimizing the use of new resources to produce new products, right? Then when you purchase online, try, my suggestion is to try to group your orders into one transaction, one large transaction, instead of multiple small ones. Um, because by doing that, you can minimize the packaging waste related to the shipment. And you're also able to minimize the transport-related emissions, right? And then also, um, aside from just buying um, old products or pre-owned, pre-loved products. You can also try to refurbish some of your old assets. Like let's say if you're thinking, if you have a bike, um, if it can be fixed up, you know, I would advocate trying to fix it up rather than buying a new bike because again, you extend the life of the, of the product. Um, and then also be conscious about, let's say, your use of appliances. So like, let's say if you're in a room, um, try to shut up lights or try to shut up appliances. Um, that we don't need. I guess it's really important that uh, everyone can take really small steps, these small steps to uh, to, to fuel large-scale change and work towards a more sustainable society. Correct, correct. Uh, and relating to uh, uh, food, you spoke about imported food. Singapore mm -hmm. imports over 90% of its food. So how can mm -hmm. we make that a sustainable cycle? Mm -hmm. So as I said, try to buy local. Like say, I mean, the carbon emissions of, let's say, produce coming from Malaysia is still represents a much smaller carbon footprint as, let's say, products coming from Europe. So, I mean, understandably, we have constraints, right? Yeah. But there are ways to limit um you know emissions or you can by making responsible decisions so that's just an example or let's say even so when you talk, let's talk about food um perhaps you can consume more plant-based foods rather than um, meat products because animal-based foods tend to have a higher carbon footprint than plant-based foods okay so that's an example then also when you buy your snacks, right, or your shampoos, try to buy in family sizes rather than individual small packs. Why? Because 
again, the waste materials, the packaging that is associated with those family-sized products is less than the individually-sized um, products, right? Okay. And then, and then um, also maybe going back to food and um, food consumption, maybe you can try to do to um, build a small vegetable garden either in school or in your own homes, and that works. Um, that is a benefit in so many on so many levels. You know, when you plant um, vegetables, so obviously you grow your own vegetables. I mean, I know it's a small quantity, but then at least the produce you produce is just at your doorstep, right? It's transportation is no longer involved. Then at the same time, by um, planting, by, by growing plants, you're able to um, absorb some of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. I know it's small, it's a small step, but still, I think when you think about collectively, if more and more people do this, you can make um, an important impact on the environment. Absolutely, yeah. ma'am. In fact, um, as youth, I think all of us need to begin small in order to start towards making yeah. big changes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How close would you say UNAS is in, is in achieving its SDGs? And which goals would be uh, prioritized and achieved first? Uh, the proverbial low-hanging fruit, if you will. Okay, so as I pointed out, I mean, UNAS is not the United Nations. We have a much smaller budget, we're self-funding, and we have so much more limited resources. So given the three tenets, the three pillars I told you about, so in terms of the SDGs, I would say the SDGs, um, our projects addressed primarily would be um, no poverty, zero hunger, um, good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality. And gender equality also with respect to the way the students are involved in our activities. You know, we, I've seen an equal number of male and females um, participate in our projects. And I think, and I'm sure you can identify with this as um, student leaders yourselves. You know, when you get women involved in projects, in um, efforts such as this, they develop confidence, they develop leadership skills, right? They learn from it. So then that, um, I think, will help them grow up to become mature, responsible, independent women. So, you know, so indirectly, UNAS is also um, able to foster that. Um, then when we do talks, let's say when we give talks um, in schools, we have, let's say, talked about affordable and clean energy. So that would be SDG 7. We talk about the urgency of climate action also. Um, so that would be um, SDG 13. Um, and even like, so in, in terms of like the different, what you call this, the different activities you can do as a young person, right, to address climate change, we also um, follow that ourselves. So when, let's say, we do the shipments to, to the charities, we try to keep them in bulk, right? We try to ship them in bulk. We ship via sea rather than air. Therefore, we are able to limit the carbon footprint of our um, shipment. So my point is when, you know, 
in as much as I've shared some of the potential um, actions you can do as you know individual people in society, we in UNAS you know do the same thing in our own projects. We're very conscious of our carbon footprint, um, and it's something you know we keep in mind in all our projects. It's something our members are aware of, and it's something we implement. And that's also one advice maybe I would um, share with all of you. It's like, try to be mindful of your carbon footprint, whether it's yeah. in the food you eat, the way you shop, the way you travel, or you know, when you, let's say, go to school or go to the supermarket, um, what are your carbon emissions? Um, and then, and also like, let's say if, Let's say in your house, let's say it's time to replace the refrigerator in your house. Perhaps, you know, you as um, you can help your parents select an energy efficient um, refrigerator, you know, things like that. There are small, many, many small steps you can do to um, limit your carbon emissions. Definitely, we're not talking about zero carbon, but if you can limit it, I mean, that um, is already a huge step to take. I mean, that's already a huge achievement. Yes, and uh, speaking of carbon emissions, I believe one problem that uh, the world is facing today, especially developing countries, is to choose between economic development and protecting the environment, both which are important sustainable development goals. So mm -hmm. uh, how do you build, how do you uh, think that uh, developing countries can work towards uh, ensuring that they're able to adapt both of these goals? Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of developing countries are able to marry those two priorities um, and are able to um, make a positive contribution. So as I've said, I am a clean energy professional, right? So um, in the last, I would say, 10 years almost, um, many governments in Southeast Asia, maybe for simplicity's sake, or even India, Maybe I'll include India just because we're the Indian International School. So Southeast Asian governments and also India have um, developed um, incentives, financial incentives for clean energy. So these governments in their own way, obviously there are differences across the policies, but in many ways they have incentivized um, the building of large-scale solar energy, um, wow. so solar farms, and also wind farms. So and so why, why is this a win-win? So when you think about, to your point, right, you're talking about emerging markets. So there's a huge need to grow your energy base because the country is developing, you know, your manufacturing is expanding, so you need more energy. But then the smart thing that these countries have been doing, including India, is they are focusing the building of new energy infrastructure with clean energy. You get what I'm saying? So many are not building coal farm, coal plants anymore. They have looked, they have turned their attention to solar and wind. So India, for instance, um, is one of the leaders in solar and wind energy, at least in Asia. Then yeah. in Southeast Asia, like in Singapore, you know, Singapore, I am sure you've read in the papers, there are now, they are now building um, floating solar farms in the reservoir. 
you've seen yeah. news related, let's say related to um, solar rooftops and HDBs. Um, and then you see the same, you see countries in like Vietnam, um, the Philippines, Thailand, um, Malaysia, they, the governments have created financial incentives and also political, you know, they develop political programs um, to encourage the financial community to invest in clean energy. So that's wow. an example. So the point, my point is sustainability and economic growth don't necessarily have to contradict each other. In fact, they can work in harmony with each other. What just has to happen is um, obviously it will take a lot of um, initiative um, from both sides, the government side, the private sector. There has to be you know, cooperation, right? So that investments, new investments um, are put towards newer technologies that can better protect the planet and the environment. So, you know, definitely we shouldn't compromise economic growth because as you know, in India or in Southeast Asia, um, you know, a lot of people yeah. are still living in poverty. And we need to raise the living standards. Um, so, you know, it's an existential question. It's, I mean, you know, it's an existential threat. You can't compromise the livelihoods of, um, of these countries. But at the same time, if we work smarter, if we embrace new technologies, and if investors um, assist in um, supporting clean energy, then it's a win-win for both sides. Yeah. And speaking of clean energy, how uh, feasible is clean energy, especially since it's more expensive to set up and uh, use? How feasible is that in these such countries, which are- Actually, that's, that's a misconception. Solar and wind are actually now not more expensive. They are now at par with uh, fossil fuel generation. It was more expensive years ago, but not today. Oh, they, are really they are comparable in cost already, especially solar and um, onshore wind. Okay, that's really interesting to know. It's actually very heartening to know of the existing initiatives as well as how technology has served us all right in terms of um, reducing costs of such sustainable alternatives. Um, I'd, I'd like to request you to leave a final message to our listeners mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of our discussion. Um, so as I've said, you know, basically, I would say sustainability is, um, an issue we should all be mindful about um, because we all inhabit just one planet. <laughs> and if you know the Paris Climate Agreement is not adhered to, and if um, climate rises to above 2%, that would be very dire for the planet. And your young people, you're, you know, you will have you will still grow into adults and have families. You know, I would I wouldn't want to see, you know, your futures compromised. So I think um, my 
key message should be number one we are all um, inhabitants of this planet we have a role to play to contribute to sustainability to ensure the health of the planet and the health of the human race yeah um Absolutely. and then but then one thing i'd like to end the way i'd like to end though is with a hopeful note i mean yes the climate crisis is grave um, but it is heartening to note that there has been increased awareness of this issue over time. And I think as more and more people become aware of an issue, they are prodded to take action. And that's what's important. And also, as I described to you in the clean energy example, technologies are available today to arrest the impact of climate change and to promote a more sustainable living. You know, as I said, there is clean energy. There are um, energy efficient appliances, you know, so, and then there's more technology on the way, and then you, you soon, you know, you'll have fully electric vehicles. Singapore, you know, has plans to shift to electric vehicles. So my point is that don't lose heart despite, um, you know, the, you know, how daunting the challenge might be. Keep in mind that technologies are available today and investments are heading in the right direction um, to promote sustainability and to promote a more um, sustainable um, way of doing business. And then also yeah. keep in mind that as young people, you can do a lot. I am not, I mean, I kid you not. Um, as I've said, you know, you can do so much in just how you, in the food you eat, in how you shop, in how you um, choose to travel. Um, so there's a lot you can do. And when we all come together um, for a great cause, you know, I'm very confident that success is on the horizon. Thank you so much, Ms. Michelle Gozum, for this insightful account into today's world, and especially for the hopeful account of the whole situation. Because um, as you mentioned, the situation can get threatening and glum, but there is a lot of scope for all of us to make impact individually as well as collectively. Thank you so much once again. Thank you too for giving us the opportunity to um, share our message because there's a lot of work to be done and we're happy to um, spread the word. And we sincerely hope that our listeners are inspired to take action because together as the youth we can. Thank you very much. This is GIS Sustainability Talks signing off. Goodbye.